0: Quack, quack, quack. Oh, my goodness, y'all. It's the holiday season. That's right. The Holiday Bowl. The the big one to some, I suppose. I'm stoked to go to the Holiday Bowl. Uh, I'm stoked to play the UNC Tar Heels. You know, a, a team we have a history with basketball with, but uh, not so much football. Um, I'm excited to see this team. I'm excited to see probably a shootout, is my guess, is is the only way either of these teams have won. Uh, so it's probably going to be a shootout. It's probably going to be pretty exciting. And to break down this most uh, historic holiday bowl here, of course, we've got resident film reviewer over there at Addicted to Quack, the managing editor of that wonderful Oregon Ducks website. We've got Hithliday. How you doing, Hithliday? And well, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I understand you've watched a whole lot of Tar Heel football.
1: Uh, Yes, I have watched all 13 games that they played uh, and uh, charted all of them. Uh, It is a fun team to watch on one side of the ball, and uh, it also plays football on defense.
0: Yeah, I I've seen some like amazing highlight plays you've been posting on uh, uh on Twitter at his, or uh, you know, uh yeah. It, it's it's been very fun to watch the the madness. Probably, especially if you're not a UNC fan, because some of those plays I would just have a heart attack, I imagine. Uh yeah, I mean, I guess a bad O line sometimes can make for some really thrilling moments. It, it is. It's
1: it's very you know, it's a team that like Uh, they're they're in a lot of shootouts they have a lot of come from behind victories Um, you can never count this team out because they have one of the best quarterbacks in college football Um, and uh, but the offensive line uh, you know doesn't (laughs) protect him uh, the best and so he's like showing off uh, his scrambling ability his improvisational ability like all the time and then uh, the defense you know doesn't really let him sit on leads so like it's you know Every minute is thrilling. <laughs> There's not a dull moment watching this team.
0: <laughs> the defense were try- was trying to get him a you know a Heisman. Really, they were just trying <laughs> to help out. Honestly, this is just really bolstering my argument that the ACC and the Pac-12 need to combine and have just an all-coast conference. That is what I'm talking about: West Coast versus East Coast. Uh, to break down this this team's roster, uh, which I certainly <laughs> don't know a whole lot about. We've got a very, very, very wonderful guest here. This is Isaac Shade of Locked On Heels. If you don't know the Locked On kind of podcast family, it is some really, really great stuff, really in-depth, both, both in basketball and football coverage. So very excited to have him, though we're going to be talking purely UNC football roster here. Isaac Shade, how you doing?
2: I'm great. How are you guys doing? I'm just sitting here laughing uh, <laughs> that, that you very kindly called what the defense does. You actually used the word football. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know what? I'll take that.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I, you know, no need to really beat around the bush here. I would love to get right into this roster. Uh, Hickle uh, feel free to guide us through this
1: well uh, just as an overview I, I i sent you this as a question we were chatting a bit you know uh, off air um but like my general take about the north carolina football team is that they have a phenomenal quarterback drake may redshirt freshman um committed tar heel throws shade at state uh it checks all the boxes man um <incredi->
2: then deep state so there's that yeah
1: right uh <laughs> that's, that's one box i guess left unchecked um <laughs> the uh we didn't
2: beat our state either though no that's true we both had a bad thanksgiving week Uh,
1: to, to be perfectly honest, watching him as redshirt freshman this year, it, the thing that reminded me most of watching was Marcus Mariota as redshirt freshman in 2012 mm. for Oregon. And like, you know, Heisman was in his future. I sort of think of Heisman's Drake Mays future. Like, I, I'm not joking about that at all. I, I, I have done film study on every game that, that Drake has played. I have done film study on every game that Caleb Williams has played. Cause I studied all of his, you know, Oklahoma tape too, when Oregon played him in the Alamo Bowl and Oregon was supposed to have a date with USC. Um, uh, in 2022, uh, speaking of Thanksgiving de- debacles, um, the, uh, and no, I think the Drake may really deserve the Heisman this year. Um, like, like what he does is he, he's not only an exceptionally, um, accurate and gutsy quarterback, yeah. like he throws contested balls. He's not one of these like system quarterbacks who's only thrown to open receivers. Um, in fact, I think his former OC Phil Longo could probably do him some more favors in terms of engineering, <laughs> uh, some more open receivers, but he's throwing contested balls and really has like the full like full confidence his entire wide receiver core we'll talk about them in a little bit but like um and he's and the offense has him running quarterback draws a huge amount of the time like designed runs That they, it's wow. like the opposite of a play action pass where it's it looks like it's going to be a passing play <laughs> yeah. but then the quarterback runs and and like play one actually, of the
2: nice yeah
1: well one of the nice things about film studies i get to separate out like quarterback runs i can separate out draws from zone keeps you know, yeah. from read option keeps from scrambles, and I can put them all in different buckets. And the quarterback draw bucket is by far UNC's most effective rush rushing play. Um, <laughs> so he's doing that a lot. He's scrambling a lot, uh, and he's throwing you know incredible passes all the time. It's just like this dude, and like he is under fire a lot and he never gets hurt, which like knock on wood, man. Like, I I hope I'm not jinxing him or anything that that would really <laughs> suck, but like you know, the, I was just I was blown away watching this kid. Um, I think he's far and away UNC's best asset. Um, and I, you know, the flip side to that coin, however, is I think they've got at least I, I think a number of UNC wins this year, which were sort of close and comeback wins were on the back of Drake May, um, like he sort of you know made a play at the last minute to flip the game to a win and i think that one of their puzzling losses the one to to georgia tech i in my opinion can be put at the feet of like he just had an off night which like every quarterback is going to do like i don't really think that that's so much of a knock on him or anything um but like but the north carolina can't afford for him to have an off night because like he's their football team um which i guess isn't saying anything too extraordinary like find me a great team that didn't have a great quarterback you know play but like but that was the difference you know like the 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 difference between the that being a, a, a comeback win and not a comeback win was, you know, him just being a little inaccurate that night. And that, like, that's it. That's the determining factor. I've been talking for a while. Do you, do you agree with that take? Do you think that that's like a fair way to look at that guy is like, he is the team.
2: Oh, I don't think you said it strongly enough. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with that take. Um, and, and to your point, like in that Georgia tech loss, his all American wide receiver, Josh down, Josh down, excuse me, dropped, a pass in the end yeah. zone that would have done it yet again. Yeah. It was and like so- fourth
1: and 10. It would have been like the seventh yeah. miracle win in a row, you know?
2: Exactly. And so to that point, Carolina's, uh, does get to double digit wins if basically if downs catches that ball. And so for the majority of the season, they played with fire and somehow were able to stay unburned until that moment. I mean, they obviously had a loss to Notre Dame prior to that, but in terms of close games, um, it, it really was wild to your point about how they always found a way to pull it out T- to wit in 2021, Carolina was literally winless away from Keenan stadium. Mm. And then this season six and O in true road games, they obviously lost the ACC championship game to Clemson, but I just mean pure true road games on a, like at a campus site six and O interestingly, all of which were one score victories. Always because Drake May was able to find a way to do it and then the the so-called defense we'll, we'll call <laughs> the defense that um, there were a couple games when it was on them and and because of the the Ben don't break Chiswick uh, way of doing things this season um gene chizik excuse me the defensive coordinator i should be specific on a show where not everyone's familiar Um, oh no
1: Oregon fans are familiar with gene chizik we know gene chizik
2: oh i I stepped on that one um and so um yeah you do wow i'm sorry okay Um, no worry
0: well you can just call him gc or something if you want (laughs) we 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 don't like hearing his Um, name
2: (laughs) okay done the the guy that sits in the booth and calls plays on defense for North Carolina, um, w- th- there were a couple of those games where they were able to like get the game ceiling pick or something, but it was always because Drake may had made a play before that. And they finally were able to make something for themselves. It has been unbelievable to watch. I mean, y- you guys might or might not be aware, but Mac Brown didn't even name him starter until game week of week zero when they played FAMU, And so t- mm. to-, to think about that going into the season, you just didn't even know he was going to be the star. I mean, I people that knew, knew, right? But like, he hadn't been named the starter. And so to go back to August and then to look ahead to what's happened since, it's been unbelievable to watch this young man operate and make, for the most part, aside from that Georgia Tech game, make a lot of really good decisions. Even those like the contested throws you talked about, there were so many of them that were yes, contested, but still like why yeah, they were
1: accurate, you know, it was, exactly. yeah, it was the exactly. right throw to make. He, I, I was trying to praise him in terms of like, those exactly. are foolish and, throws. And, those and, are like, exactly. that's what a gutsy, you know, quarterback you know does like yeah i know my dude's gonna come down with that and like exactly. that may be a 50 50 ball for any other quarterback but for exactly. me it's like a 70 30 ball you know
2: exactly yeah that's a great way to put it because his arm is good enough to do that and so it's like even in his youth he's making the right reads the right throws and um finally about game four learned how to slide which is part of why <laughs> to point, he didn't get hurt i mean this dude was Yeah. oh my up.
1: god man if an order if an oregon quarterback tried to do half of what drake may does you know physically throwing his body around he would explode into a pile of bones and neon like <laughs> i am so jealous of a quarterback <laughs> who does that much physically
2: and doesn't get hurt like yeah. well, which again he, i'm
1: knocking on wood man like don't seriously. please don't let oh. me jinx him
2: no, for sure. And and that's part of it is his size is underrated. He's just shy of 6'5", like 220, Yeah, just a big kid. And that, you know, we'll talk obviously about um, young men who are missing either because of injury or opt out. And one of the biggest um, that, that wouldn't show up on many people's depth chart for that, is the guy that lost the quarterback battle, Jacoby Criswell, mm-hmm. who's from Arkansas, who is um, committed there to Arkansas. But honestly, I think he's one of the biggest losses for this bowl game because if, again, knock on wood, Drake May goes down, it is a massive, yeah. massive drop-off with Jacoby Criswell, not in the fold.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, even with him in the fold, like I, I think we saw him for like two two snaps, and I was like, hmm. Uh <laughs> So here's the other thing that's remarkable about, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And usually when I see numbers like this out of a quarterback, it's, it's, there's, he's getting some help in some way from, from, you know, a couple mm-hmm. different things that I can think of. Like, you know, one would be like playing in some sort of like revolutionary offensive scheme that defenses don't know how to defend. Um, I don't really think that was the case for North Carolina this year. I didn't really think that Longo was calling stupid plays or anything, it's just like it, it, you know, I don't think that I was watching like Chip Kelly or Mike Leach or some like, oh, this guy's reinventing the game, you know. Um, Number two would be like an offensive line that you know really protects him so he has all day to throw and eventually picks apart the defense. I don't think that's true, I don't think mm-hmm. this offensive line was very good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, like it was remarkable how much he was doing off schedule, you know, and having to like run for his life and, and but yep. still like keep his head up and make downfield throws. Um, or or another thing maybe sort of connected to the offensive line is like a dominant inside run game where like, they're just pounding the ball over and over and over. And the defense has to bring the safeties down to stop that. And so the quarterback gets to throw against like cover zero, you know, or, or whatever. I don't think that's true. Like, you know, North Carolina doesn't really have a dominant run game and definitely defenses weren't like afraid of it. You know, he was throwing against a full defensive backfield. Um, and and, you know or like you know and then his wide receiver core which i think is really good i think it's like the second best part of the team besides drake may which is like good thing to pair up with the quarterback um but like you know sometimes i see quarterbacks where it's like the wide receiver core is making him look better than he really is because they're they've got like a million mile catch radius and they're catching a bunch of you know uh uh you know inaccurate balls i i I don't think that was the case for North Carolina either. Like, I think this wide receiver core was good, but it's not like the passes were inaccurate and they had to, to make heroic moves in order to catch these balls. You know, like they, they weren't making Drake May look better than he is. He really is that good. Do you agree with all of that?
2: 100% I do. The, like, well, let's start with the running backs room. You, you start coming into the season. It's the deepest room on the team. You got oh, yeah. six.
1: They've run- got tons of them.
2: Yes, tons of them. It's just either they they've been lost to injury or were ineffective. So you start in in preseason British Brooks coming Mm -hmm. back is the perceived starter um, and in their scrimmage a week before the first game season ending injury. And so you start the season with DJ Jones at running back as the first actual starter completely ineffective and then you go to true freshman omarion hampton who like not even an early enrollee this dude's a summer enrollee and he's getting all of these snaps but he he just wasn't ready pass pros not quite there yet and and some things like that um and so he kind of gets shifted around for caleb hood caleb hood who has a is a is is a good running back but has just been in and he wound up with the
1: best yards per carry adjusted for me Um, exactly
2: That's not shocking to me at all, at all to hear that. But poor guy is just one of those kids that has been in and out with injuries his entire career. Oh, really?
1: Yeah, I know he got hurt this year. Had he gotten hurt earlier?
2: Yes, like I think so. This is his third year. I think he's had a season-ending injury every season so far, and it's just one of those you just hate it for, you know, because you know he's up here, and um, so then. Um, it comes to Elijah green, who's now been the starter for probably is it four or five games now to this point, it's
1: right after the bye week when it's not, and it, like the flip is dramatic. I even made a chart of it, um, where it's like, yeah, they're sort of messing around for the first seven games. Uh, well, eight games, including FAMU, uh, it's sort of like, it's an even distribution between three or four guys. Um, and then starting in the, the eighth game after the bye week um, or ninth game you know including the fcs it just it's all uh, ej green all the time yeah
2: yeah and and then there there is uh, another freshman george pedaway who mm. he's just it, better days are ahead he'll get there he's just got to keep developing yeah. and learn more but um and so it is um green is going to be the one relied upon very heavily once as you said once they went with him like it's him and he's the guy but it's just i mean the biggest point in to the Drake May conversation, is May's the leading rusher? Yeah, on the right. Team. And so I mean that just... includes
1: scrambles, you know. And if you take yes. those out, then that's no longer the case. But like, yeah, totally. Right. Like he's a he's in his quarterback draws, and to a much smaller extent, um zone read. You know, yep. like he keeps. Yeah, he's a big part of the run game.
2: And so, to your point about the offensive line, I think the best way I can talk about it is this way. Um for those who watched Carolina in the Sam Howell era and and Sam Howell was talked about as the best quarterback in Carolina history I think in year 1 Drake May has already changed that storyline and narrative but um Sam Howell was under attack and under duress even more so um than than was Drake May and so this year has been uh <laughs> sad to have to say this but an improvement on the offensive line wow from, really uh, Year or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were were Um, they just not playing an offensive line in previous years? Yeah. So basically, what happened is Sam Howell would snap the ball to himself. And no, I just, um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been a struggle. And so they brought in Jack Bicknell Jr., who was Louisville's offensive line coach, along, um, standing coach with a, a great history. Literally, second day of spring practice, Bicknell had been at Louisville's first day of spring practice. Day two of spring practice, he's in Chapel Hill. And wow. um, so, I mean, so I think that's part of it too, is just, there's not been that, that coaching consistency to help it. But, um, now he's gone too. Phil Longo. The OC went to Wisconsin and took Jack McNeil jr. With him. And yeah, so, man, if I were
1: taking one, uh, uh, position coach from North Carolina, the last one on my list would be the offensive line coach. That that's a baffling decision. Like, I mean, maybe it's not his fault. I, I don't know, but like, I was just Astonished uh, at how poor this offensive line play, and I mean, I've covered the Pac-12, man. Like, I am an (laughs) I am the world's leading authority on terrible offensive line play, and like, (laughs) North Carolina would fit right in in the Pac-12, right in at the bottom. Like, it it was so bad. Like, and and it just really highlights how good Drake May is. Not just the scrambling, not just like the the, like cool you know customer kind of effect, like you know under pressure, but also just like he didn't have a run game to lean on. Like, this was first of all, this was a team that, that passed almost a two to one margin. And second of all, like when they did have a, a like this team basically had, had, uh, uh, I could probably run this and get the exact number, but I'll just make a number up. I think yeah, over are. the entire season, they had two consecutive successful rushing plays in a row. Like <laughs> even if they got one successful rushing play, they wouldn't follow it up with another one. Like there was no like pound the ball aspect yeah. to this team at yeah. all. Like, Like as far away from like you know the glory days of Stanford or one of these ground and pound teams that you can get like this team is just not a threat to even well that's the other thing that's kind of crazy about the running backs I know I'm jumping all over the map here but like no
2: you're good you're good like the
1: thing about the running backs even though there's a ton of them is that every one of them has at least one ginormous run like eighty yard run where he just like just the stars aligned he gets behind the defense and like and uh, and the unfortunate thing from a statistical I'm sure it's Great for North Carolina fans I'm sure they loved watching that but the unfortunate thing from a statistical standpoint is that it kind of distorts the yards per carry average and so one of the things that you can do as a film reviewer and as a charter is that you can just like you know cut those out to get a more accurate picture of the running back room um and just like, you know, cap all gains at 40 yards, you know, cause, cause past 40 yards is just sort of field position and getting behind the defense is more relevant. So anyway, you know, every one of these guys, every one of the running backs grades out at, at no better than 4.2 yards per carry, which is, you know, not great. Um, and, and like I said, they just don't, it, it's, it's not a dominant, you know, it's not the kind of offense that likes to run. And in fact, they're, you know, short yardage situations, they're more likely to pass than they are to run. Um, you know, they, they just like, you know, it's not a huge, you know, aspect, uh, of the offense. And the other thing is the offensive line, like, you know, I thought they would grade out poorly in pass protection, given how many scrambles there, but they grade out even worse in, in run blocking to the point where like, dude, I, I, I don't think I've ever said this before. I seriously started to question whether or not the person who was designing their run scheme, um, like their grasp on like fundamentals of football because i saw so many guys were like you know assignment errors by the the offensive line in Mm -hmm. in in blocking where it's just like that's not where you're like i'm an idiot and amateur and i know you're not supposed to be blocking that guy you're supposed to come over here and block that guy and it's and i see that stuff all the time in run blocking to the point where it's like who is writing up these run plays i don't think that they're familiar with how football works um I, i mean it was just like it was astonishing and so anyway this is all trying to go to like i think these aren't a bad group of running backs but i think that this offensive line and the offensive run scheme is some of the worst i've ever seen
2: yeah It it does them zero favors yeah absolutely it's it's like and with the running backs they've each got it's like man his vision with his speed burst with his ability to you know like it's like if you could frankenstein together these dudes You'd you'd have a great Division One running back um, that that could be at the top. I'm kind
1: of surprised that that a couple of these guys haven't transferred out because it's a full room of guys who I think are good running backs, and they got to be sick of running behind this offensive line.
2: Absolutely, and uh, British Brooks, who's the one that he would technically be done, is going to be able. He's already said he's coming back, and this would have been his fifth year. So there's all sorts of that, and and it's kind of even more astonishing when you remember that just. We're just two years removed from uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter, who are Mm -hmm. both now, you know, Javante Williams, unfortunately, had a season ending uh, injury for the Broncos, but is their number one running back. And Michael Carter, I think, is down to number two on the Jets depth chart. But uh, a season in where they just both went bonkers together. And and here we are two years later and we're having this conversation. Well,
1: here's the thing that really doesn't make any sense to me, like really is completely baffling and getting back to the offensive line is that like and we were talking about this a little off air. They're all they're It's senior graduate graduate, senior junior graduate, like because they're sort of rotating at the right guard between Barnes and and Adorno. Yeah yeah and adornos the baby of the room as a 2020 junior yeah it's like these are experienced dudes and it's it's why i sort of hesitated to put it on the feet of the offensive line coach is because like dude by this point in their development like the the coaching's not really you know the, the the thing it's just like I, I guess I'm sort of surprised that it's not a very high talent room like the rest of North Carolina's roster is pretty good like Mac Brown's been recruiting very well for North Carolina he has, he has. except for the offensive line like these guys are like low to mid three stars and that not like the and they're not playing like the kind of because like okay Oregon just lost to Oregon State uh, Oregon State is a very frustrating team to play against because they recruit terribly but they have like maybe the best offensive line coach in the country Jim Mahalchik, who gets these guys and like he gets a real big offensive line room and he has them you know sit until they're seniors and then they play they're like two starters who play like five stars and so you know when I before I started watching North Carolina's film I assembled their their roster because how I work and I'm like oh no a bunch of three stars who've been on the team for five years like these guys are going to be maulers and then I turn on the tape and it's like what is the opposite of a mauler like
2: uh, it,
1: it what what the heck was going on with this offensive line Isaac like do you have a guess
2: well in in addition to the inconsistency of having an, an offensive line coach who came in you know kind of in mid-spring you've got two guys that transferred in both rollin came in from harvard mm-hmm. and inner came in from miami and so i like that was my expectation was like oh man and, and those two got... are
1: by far the worst on the line yes exactly. the worst and the
2: grades, thing. and that doesn't it it I expected that out of Rolland, but with Gaynor coming from Miami and and he is a a great um like vocal leader, a great um I was gonna say clubhouse guy, locker room guy, there's the word I'm looking for. Um, but just like yikes. And so I I really thought so one of the one of the big um talents that we talk about is Zach Rice, who is a, a freshman at right tackle. I thought at some point this season he would take over for Rolland at I don't right.
1: Think I saw him at all.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing. And so that that's been part of the confusion is there's been a, a consternation I'll use that word mm. with the, the willingness and ability to go like one of the preseason conversations is, Hey, we want to be legitimately too deep across both lines, basically. Um, and it's just not, it's not been that, and then it's even more confusing when you see that not only has it not been that, but even as the line is not performing well, that it's not been that. It's like, well, it, you know, to what you said a little bit ago about was there just no offensive line? It's like, if they're going to be that bad, how, how much worse can it get? At least given some of these other guys (laughs) an opportunity, like Brian Anderson is, is the, the backup center. Well, before Gaynor, he had been the center and before some injuries had been the center. And so it's like,
1: wait, somebody lost their job to Corey Gaynor.
2: Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Exactly. And so I mean,
1: like, I, I, I'm not a big fan of piling on a kid or anything, but like it's, he gets knocked back into the quarterback's lap on something like 30% of snaps. Like he's, he's just not physically strong enough to do this job. I it's, it's disturbing. Like,
2: yeah absolutely and and it's so that speaks even more to like if he's getting knocked back into drake may and then drake May's still doing drake may stuff yeah. it's like okay there's another feather in drake may's
1: cap. yeah i know all of this like everything that we're gonna say is gonna go back to like and thus proving that drake may is the greatest person to ever play soccer, you know football ever um That's let's talk about a little happier subject which i think is the wide end uh, the wide receiver room slash the tight end room um For sure so uh wide receivers uh the well let's get this out of the way josh downs who's the leading receiver is not going to be playing in this bowl game um i sort of think towards the end of the season he was making some business decisions do you know what i mean
2: i absolutely know what you mean
1: um but he was sort of there the way i put it in my my set of questions to you was that like the the we need a miracle guy you know the like you know the the game's on the line or we got to get this third down conversion or like i got to throw this ball short of the sticks but i'm going to trust you to turn up field and and, and convert it like
2: yeah he gets some good yak for sure
1: and and i don't and while i think the rest of the wide receiver room is very good and very talented um and i think that um drake may has full confidence in them like he's not Drake may is not, not throwing it to any of these guys. Cause he's like, Oh, I can't throw it to that dude. He's going to drop the ball. Like he's, yeah. if the throw is there, he's making that throw. Even there's though, a, for example, like number five, yeah. JJ Jones, there's two Jones yeah. and two greens on this. So I'm going to try to be dude. there. And there's three greens. That, there's, there's a bunch a green. of greens, including one of them who's yeah. got an, an extra E in his name. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And there's it's a the lineman
1: whole. whose name is Jones, but hyphenated. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, JJ Jones. Jones.
2: Yeah. Yeah. JJ Jones (laughs) has a
1: bit of a drop problem, but Drake May doesn't believe he has a drop problem. He's throwing the ball to him. You know, if he's the guy to throw to, he's throwing the ball to him. But what I think they will be missing with Josh Downs is that, oh my God, you know, that, that sort of like miraculous stuff. Yep. Yep. Is that, do you agree with that take on the wide receiver room?
2: Yes, I I certainly do. He, and and let's go back to the Drake May of it. And then I'll get into the actual receivers themselves. He is an equal opportunity distributor. It's like, like he's not designed. I think some people are designed to hone in on a receiver. He's designed to hone in on what is the right throw that my eyes and body are seeing and feeling right now. And I'm going to make that throw. And just, (laughs) as you said, I don't, I don't care who it is, or if in reality he has a drop problem, if that's the read, that's the throw. And and that's what I love about it. I mean, it's kind of similar to you think about some of those Tom Brady teams. It's like, who are these receivers that Tom Brady is throwing to right now? It doesn't matter because he's going to make the throw and the dude's going to have to catch it. Um, and so with losing Josh Downs, and I know you watched all the games, so there were a couple games earlier in the season where he was out injured and it's Kobe Pacer that steps right. in. For him, you know, it's interesting.
1: Pacer actually grades in terms of plays in which he is targeted are the most successful plays Um, in terms of you know success rate. Like, did did you get enough yards to stay ahead of the sticks? Um, Yeah, yeah, he's the most like. This is not to say he is the most successful. Receiver on the team, but just like, yeah, he's a he's sort of a money guy. Like he's got good yeah. hands, he's yeah. got good field awareness. He runs his route crisply, and I think that he, I think where you were going with this before I rudely cut you off. Was, You're great. You're great. Uh, Downs is sort of a shorter guy. He sort of plays out of the slot mostly, although they lined him up at X, you know, quite a bit or did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pacer I think is also sort of a. I think he steps in for Downs. I think he's the big beneficiary yeah. if Downs isn't playing right.
2: Exactly, and th- and that was certainly true when he didn't play earlier in the season. And to your point. He's got, I think, a full three inches on Josh Downs. So you get a little bit more height. And so I, the, the here's the interesting thing. Josh Downs really blew up for the first time in a bowl game. Um, and then was off and running last year. It was, it was the Orange Bowl against Texas a a couple years ago mm-hmm. where Downs really, really stepped in. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, if this is kind of a, a kobe Pesor game where it's the, the nation starts to learn his name a little bit in what we expect to be first team to 50 wins kind of game. Um, and so in, interestingly, to the point about J.J. Jones, usually the three starting receivers are Josh Downs, Antoine Green who's mm-hmm. kind of the the deep threat take the lid off it yeah. and and JJ Jones in the in the ACC Championship game against Clemson Kobe Pesor actually stepped in for JJ Jones in the starting position and so um my expectation for this game is that you'll see obviously Kobe Pesor taking Josh Downs role Antoine Green out outside, and then it'll either be J.J. Jones or Gavin Blackwell as the third starter. Mm -hmm. Blackwell had a couple starts earlier in the season. Um, Antoine Green will be the best most heralded of the receivers coming into the game minus he's the
1: the big outside receiver he's the real threat to to take it deep he's the guy that like you know and he's big and you know you can throw him jump balls and he'll go get them like yeah going up against Oregon's you know pretty depleted cornerback room like yeah you know he's going to get a lot in this game he's going to get a lot
2: exactly and so he started the season with the collarbone injury came back in the Notre Dame game obviously Carolina lost that one but um, had a, a massive touchdown in that game and was off and running. And so the the question mark here for me is outside of those guys, you've also got a really, really talented true freshman in the other green that's got the extra E, which is Andre Green. So you got Antoine Green and Andre Green Jr. And Green Jr., s- since the NCAA, has said now that um, people – can participate in bowl games without losing that, that eligibility. Um, We will, we expect to see him in this Hmm. game. And so I, I, he is probably the most pure talented of the receivers left after downs. And so um, I'm curious to see if and how uh, Carolina chooses to deploy him of note is with Phil Longo gone The man calling the plays for this game is going to be wide receiver coach Lonnie Galloway. And so he's going to have a really good feel on like if and how Carolina uses Andre Green Jr. and chooses to deploy him. So that that's certainly something to keep an eye on um, is is this. Physical freak kind of guy who Carol, I know the Carolina fan base has been really anxious to see explode all season long.
1: That's interesting because really they were only thrown at the five different wide receivers, which mm-hmm. is like that they're all good and it's a good distribution of them. But you know, down one and the the leading receiver, you sort of expect okay, they're going to be pulling somebody else out. I would have guessed the the tight end group because they re- they've got three of them who are who exactly. who may really likes to throw to. And I would have figured okay, you're replacing an inside receiver. I'm just going to throw the ball to the tight end more often. But you're. Saying okay, exactly. this guy we've never seen before, Andre Green, but is super talented. All right, we'll keep keep an eye on that. We'll um, keep an eye on
2: him. But to the tight ends, like let's go ahead and make that segue because yeah, that's 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 um, what I was about to do. Perfect. Look at us, man. We're we're doing. Like it. We
1: podcasted before.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the the starter is Kamari Morales, um, mm-hmm. a, a junior. It's another of of kind of the older group, and and that's part of the uh, the interesting thing is. Um, we talked about the line as being that, that older crew Kamari Morales is really the only, um, above sophomore level, I guess Josh Downs is a junior, I should say, but in the games where Josh Downs was out, um, Kamari Morales was the only skill player that was above a red shirt freshman. And so, um, he is a player that he's not, he is going to catch balls and will, and, and is a trusted, uh, red zone threat for Drake may. But but really, it's Bryson Nesbitt, who if yeah. you look at the depth chart, it looks like Nesbitt is third on the depth chart, but he's kind of the the more like hybrid wide receiver tight end player. Yeah, and I definitely
1: his- noticed when when like downs, you know, I said earlier that I thought he was making some business decisions towards the mm-hmm. end of the year, like mm-hmm. when May was sort of looking for another go to guy that like it's it was Nesbitt. Nesbitt was yeah, the he, not not he they're, they're obviously because tight end versus slot receiver, they're sort of different roles. But in terms of like the, you know, that that sort of high level, like, oh my God, I got to have it, you know, kind of thing, Nesbitt was turning into that, that kind of role.
2: Yes, absolutely. And so he, he would be to most people, the most talented, um, maybe, you know, I, I said that about Andre Green, but in terms of the tight ends or like, as you're projecting NFL type stuff, he's, he's the biggest in terms of height um, of this crew. And in terms of weight, he's six, five uh uh 230 excuse me and so like he... I
1: think he's the tallest but he's not the stoutest that's that's definitely morales
2: yeah oh yes forgive me yes i i was thinking in comparison to the receivers yes but as oh yeah sure to the, to the re- entire re- receiving core yes absolutely morales is definitely the stoutest of that group well they're Um, usually
1: playing 11 personnel and they like to have a tight end and blocking so that usually becomes morales's job and if it's not him they'll have the third tight end copenhaver Copenhaver, he's more of a morales replacement whereas nesmith's kind of his his own thing is more of a receiving um Although, to be perfectly honest, all, all three of those guys grade out really badly in terms of blocking for me um, yes. there. In fact, there's a bunch of plays where like promising drives get called back so, on big holding plays because of those guys or or like or whoever's designing their run. This is the other thing. Whoever's designing their run scheme doesn't seem to know that the uh, block below the waist rule has changed two years ago <laughs> and is like having him, you know, run Wham cuts, which are illegal. And like, they, they got so many 15 yard penalties on that. It was just like, guys, could you review the rule book? Like,
2: mm. so yeah. So that it's all just this, again, more confusion and consternation with all of that. And there, there's simple, like, for example, in the app state game, this basketball game score um, in Boone, North Carolina, the second game of the season, Carolina basically has the game salted away, even though it's close, they've got the lead and App State has an onside kick coming and they, it's a, it's a kick. Bryson Nesbitt is the one that fields it. It's literally a scenario where if he just goes down, you're in victory formation. Like App State never touches the ball again. This, at this point in the game, clock matters more than points. Well, Nesbitt runs the ball back for a touchdown. And so, yay, more points, but then App State gets another touchdown and then you got to survive another. It's a whole thing. And, and Mac Brown in the press conference after that took it, Himself, but it's like the the inability to recognize time and scoring situation in a moment like that gives you some pause and some question. But I, Bryson Nesbit is is the if one of these tight ends is going to have um, like an elite level high high catch high yardage type game, it's going to be Nesbit. But both Morales and Copenhaver um, do factor in to the into the passing game. So all three will probably have a reception or two. And especially I, I think when you're losing downs and against the Oregon defense, I think tight ends could be a, a nice outlet for Drake May.
1: Uh, yeah, I, that's going to be interesting. I, I don't think that's true. I, I think they're probably going to attack Oregon's cornerbacks, um, rather than the tight ends across the middle of the field. That was really Oregon's big vulnerability in 2021. And it seemed like there was a real concerted effort this year to like patch that up is one of the reasons okay. they beat Utah uh, in 2022, but got run off the field by Utah in 2021 twice. Um, and just like this wide receiver core, especially on the outside versus what Oregon's cornerback room is going to be looking like, like, nah, it's going to be deep shots to the outside. I, I I feel that pretty strongly, but like who knows? I, you can never predict bowl games very accurately. They're kind of weird <laughs> scrimmages, exactly. but um, but like yeah, no, like all all these guys are definitely threats to you know to to, to catch the ball. Certainly, they they move well. Um, they don't go down easily. Um. And I mean, God, if any of them could block to save their lives, they might have a run game like the, but, but they can't, I mean, it's like embarrassing watching them block just like the offensive line. And I mean, I going to to that app state game, I was glad I got that out of the way early because it like cemented a view that like I wound up carrying through the rest of the year, which is just like, this team can't sit on leads, you know, like they, they have an explosive passing game. They might build a 20 point lead on you, but like they can't. You know, lock it down with a reliable run game. They've got to keep throwing the ball until the very end of the game. You know.
2: Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and that was a miserable thing throughout the season to have to endure because game after game you get out to this lead, but you know that it's not done and it's not over, and you got to watch till the final whistle. Yep.
1: All right, let's switch over and talk about the defense.
0: No. <laughs> hey, podcast listener. Hey! Come you. over here! Come yeah. over here! Get over here! Yeah. Nice headphones you got in here. Oh yeah, I like those Chevy. Be a shame if something were to happen to those headphones, eh? Huh? bad. Stomped them on the ground, eh? Be real easy to avoid that smashing if you went over to the Quack 12 Twitter account. And gave us a little follow. Just a little follow, that's all we're asking. And hey, look at that. I hear you're listening to your new podcast steps in your car, huh? Driving home, making the long journey feel a little shorter, eh? Is that yeah. what he's doing there, bud? <laughs> yeah, turning your three-hour drive into a nice little vacation, huh? Be a shame if your car ended up on the bottom of a lake. splash. Splash, maybe with you in the trunk of it, huh? Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. Maybe all that can be avoided with a little trip to the Quack 12 page on Apple Podcasts. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, Quack 12, give us five stars. Yeah, the internet, you got it, bud. Five stars. Leave us a little comment, help other people find it. Maybe it'll help people find you when they find out that you're gone missing, if you catch my drift. You seen
2: the posters on the telephone poles?
0: Yeah, those are, those are people that didn't give us five, five stars. Some of them did, and we did it anyways. And then, uh, you know what? Uh, oh, hey, hey, look, it, look at this podcast listen. On their long inner, inner uh, continental flight. Making things not so bad, not wanting to hear that baby wah, by covering wah. it up, wha wha so they say. Putting on them headphones, trying to get the sky waitress's attention. To get over
1: here, give me more of that Quack Twelve podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you? Yeah, you want some more of that Quack Twelve podcast, don't you? Yeah. You want to buy some more from us, don't you? Get it. Otherwise, you know, because if you don't buy this Quack 12 podcast insurance, you never know when your plane's going to go straight down into the water, into the old Atlantic, Flash. never to be seen again. Glug,
1: glug, guzzle, guzzle.
0: In case you don't want to be th- part of the rock and roller club of the bottom of the fucking ocean, then I recommend you go to the Quack 12 Patreon. Come on, come on. Why don't you go to the Quack 12 Patreon, give us five smackaroos, and for that we can forget about the whole nasty business, have ya you on your way. We'll forget about it. We'll forget about it, alright? Five measly dollars, that's all I got. Now listen up, punk. Cause it looks like you're not seeing so good right now. My
1: boss is talking
0: to you, chump. Aren't you chump? Yeah, Do that's it. what I thought. That's Do what it. I thought. Alright, let him let him go, Mikey, let him go. In the bottom of the Quack. Ocean. Ayo! Oh quack, quack.
1: You know, we were talking a bit off air about this, but I just sort of wanted to the thing that's that's interesting about this defense is that I, I do think there are some good players you know on this team like i i liked watching some of these guys um yeah. and mm-hmm. you know I, I don't like and trust me i watch again i watch the pac 12 like i know when i'm watching like embarrassing you know like talentless defenders and i don't think i was watching that for carolina's defense but they still grade out in f plus as 116th and i think that's largely because but for me they don't grade out like a the worst defense in college football. I mean, they, they grade out about 47% efficiency against the pass, which is below average. And they grade out about 38% efficiency against the run, which is very below average. Um, like it's, that's that's like hurting the team bad. Um, but like those don't, for me, those numbers I don't usually associate with teams that are 116th. Usually the that number would predict more like a, you know, 70th or 80th ranked yes. um, defense. Yes. And I think what's really going on is that F plus just thinks that the, um, that the coastal plus North Carolina state, um, which is in the Atlantic, but you know, Carolina plays every year, obviously right, um, right. Are, are like the worst seven offenses in college football. <laughs> and, and the fact that Gene Chiswick's defense wasn't, you know, just shutting those guys out was sort of like, okay, hang your, hang your head and shame, Gene. Like, you know, these are terrible offenses and you're still giving up like 28 points a game to them. Um, do you, so, so like that general view that like these players aren't, without talent but yep. they're kind of hamstrung by they've been hamstrung by injuries we'll talk about that they're sort yeah. of hamstrung by I, I don't think the scheme does them a ton of favors like i don't think yeah. that the, the the gene chizik scheme is really yeah. uh, often putting them in a great place to win um and and you know and i think they are worse than they look if that makes any sense because they're playing terrible offenses and they're still giving up points that I'll stop there. Do you agree with that overview about this defense?
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It, it's interesting because, um, there there was a big scheme change coming out of the Jay Bateman era, who was the previous defensive coordinator. And uh, there, there are several guys who are caught in this weird in between of like, Hey, I was forced into linebacking duty last Mm -hmm. year, but now I'm a D end or vice versa. And so, yeah, it's like, the, even in, in in the portal era, it's like they weren't able to do enough to figure out what personnel do we need to run this less than ideal scheme uh, to make it at least work against terrible offenses. And so that all has, to me, kind of hamstrung what is individually a lot of talented young men. Um, for example, Tony Grimes is like the, if not the one of the highest rated incoming recruits in Carolina history and frankly just had a bad year at cornerback and yeah. is now training out
1: let's and, um let's see if yeah, the defensive ahead. backs to the end the just so we can talk structurally about mm-hmm. how the defense is configured you yes, know so go ahead well, I've seen you know a, a fairly familiar to Pac-12 fans three three five you know th- three and even or excuse me, it, it's an odd it's an it's like odd 14- front, but they've got an yeah. OLB on the line two right, two right. inside linebackers and they're yeah. they're almost always playing a nickel defense. One of the reasons why I think that the scheme, which is like that's fine for playing you know modern. Spread offenses, it's you know, pretty standard. And I thought that they had enough decent beef for the tackles, um, to to make that work. Like, I understand sort of there's a scheme change going on, but like, I kind of like these. You know, they're, they're not the greatest defensive tackles that I've ever seen, but they, I did think they were deep enough. They survived an injury to a guy that I really liked, Raymond Vahasek, um, you know, after I think the fifth game of the year, but like they were pretty comfortably rotating. Um, Kevin Hester, Miles uh, Murphy, Travis Shaw. Murphy. Um, the, the kid of the group is Jacoby Cohen. Um, I saw a little bit of uh Kendrick Bingley Jones um yeah. you know it was deep enough that they could rotate and and then also like number five um uh Javari Ritzy, Ritzy. um they he's sort of a sweet like I've seen him line up between a, a two tech and a five tech you know they can play yeah. him at end or tackle yeah. um yeah. so I thought this was like a deep and decent enough you know group of tackles that I didn't really think that that was the 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 problem schematically I'll stop there. Do, do you agree or disagree? What do you think?
2: Yeah, it, it is a very deep room, but once again, similar uh, to what we said with the offensive line, it's like, I, I would like to see even more um, depth utilized, keep these guys as fresh as possible. Like you talked about Travis Shaw. He, he truly is the baby of the group. He's a true freshman, mm-hmm. um, six, five and a half, 355 kind of kid um, that, you know, he, he's got to get in better shape and there's some of that, but um, yeah. Cowan. Yeah, I, is- do,
1: I agree. He's carrying a little bad weight.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so he, that'll, that'll be an off season thing for next year and, and you just can't really do much with that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Cowan has done well the last several games. He's one of two off, uh, Ohio state transfers oh, really? um, that we will probably see in heavy rotation for this defense. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the technically they call it a four five scheme, even though, as you yeah. said, you know, we've got that Jack coming up. Um, so really it, it's weird. It could be a three, three, five, but it's like, you got that Jack coming up, but that's another one of those positions. It's just Carolina, fre-
1: frequently enough that that Jack uh, outside linebacker drop drops into coverage, drops but I'm more comfortable coverage. calling exactly.
2: him a linebacker. Exactly. than yeah. I'm, And I'm great with that. Um, and, but that's another spot where it's like in terms of structurally, as we're talking about the linebacking core is like the, the heart and soul of this oh, defense sure. in, in terms of consistency, but the, the, there's just been so much attrition, both in front and behind them, in in both the secondary and on the line. That that's the only kind of consistent place. In fact, on my Locked On Tar Heels show on Friday of this week, um, I interview Cedric Gray. Is is that show? And we're we talk quite a bit about that of like how how have you been able in this season where everyone around you has been falling apart yeah. basically how have you Power Eccles as the only points of consistency, been able to try to bring these other guys along. And he's basically like, we just got to figure out a way to do it. It's not always successful, but, but we're trying our best with that.
1: That's cool. That you got to talk to him. He's definitely, he's the heart and soul of the defense. Like, I, like, 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 First of all, I think he's their best defensive player. Like, you know, set the grades aside. I just think he's their, like, he's the dog, you know, like he's the, he's the dog of that defense and also just the structure of it. Like he's the focal point, like he's the one who just has to make the tackle, you know, and and the way that they use the inside line. For good and
2: for bad. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that in a sec. I I wanted to stay up on the line of scrimmage. So like the, the, the ends and the, the Jack, you know, position, um, uh well i've seen i saw three different ends during the year yeah um i think the one that they wanted to be the starter was desmond evans number 10 um but he got injured and we haven't seen him for the rest of the season i think he's out for this game too
2: And he is, and even before he was injured, he is another one of these really talented guys that just not living up to what I think the coaching staff hoped he would be able to do.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's true. I would have, I would have liked to see him be playing at the end of the year. Um, Yep.
2: Uh, yeah. yeah. So that, Cause he was definitely progressing. Yeah.
1: And then the, I, I, mentioned Ritzy already, you know, he will, he's been lining up on the end with Evan's absence. And then the interesting one to me has been Cayman uh, Rucker number 25 yes. Um, yes. who at the beginning of the year, they were really only using him as um, on passing downs. I think they probably right. thought that he couldn't handle um, outside you know, they couldn't, they probably feared his ability to play the the run. And so they were really only playing against the pass. And then some of these injuries started stacking up and they were like, all right, we got to play Rucker on, on rushing downs. And then I thought he did well not worse than the rest of the team i'm not going to say great because it's not a great defense (laughs) but like i don't really think he was any more of a liability than anybody else and so i sort of think that was a mistake um or it looks
2: like a mistake Mistake not using him more earlier yeah exactly yeah i I agree
1: i mean frankly he grades out the best of anybody on the line of scrimmage for me um i i really you know think you know he's a little undersized you know he's he's about two inches shorter than everybody else but like he's got a great motor
2: um and he gets the quarterback he does yeah and and it's really cool because he is just like to, to talk with him. He's got an infectious personality. The team rallies around him. Uh, people love him. Uh, something I mentioned this to you guys off air, but he uh, sang, sang the national anthem at the basketball final four last year in new Orleans. And um got to, I got to talk with him just as he was about to walk up on the stage. And it was so really interesting because I I'm like five eleven, So even though he's undersized, for positionally like still towers over me <laughs> and um, but to see this big honking human uh just like nervous for this yeah. cool big moment in his life and just um just a neat moment to get underneath the helmet a little bit and and see what's going on in his life but but it is because he's on one hand this very kind nice person um but that that motor that you spoke of is what allows him to be able to not only participate, but, but hold his own, I'll, I'll give him that um, on the line. And so, yes, he, he is like six, two and a quarter, two sixty five, but but um, it has, I call it the Rudy factor usually with him just because he, he is positionally undersized, but I mean, he's um, not like
1: a short stack or anything. I mean, he's six or almost yeah, six exactly. 30. Exactly. You know, like he's, he's he's not you know tiny or anything. It's just like he doesn't have great length, you know. Yes. And that's usually what you need. You know, if you're on on the end and you're a pass rusher, usually what you need is a lot of length. You know, you need to be able to like jack up that tackle. And yes. you know, good luck against Oregon's tackles. I think Oregon has a, has a better offensive line than probably any team he's going to have played against this year. Um, but like, if anybody's getting through. It's going to be him. You know, that's Maybe. what I'm trying to alert people to is like, yeah. it, if, if Bo Nix faces pressure, I think it's going to be from, from Rucker and yeah, probably yeah. no one else, unless they're blitzing, you know, which, you know, there are some blitzes in this defense um, from, course, you know, yeah. backers and, and defensive backs, but, you know, from guys in the line, it's going to be Rucker where it's not going to be anybody else. You know, do you think that's a fair? Exactly. Assessment?
2: And it, yeah. And, and like at the Jack position, for example, it had been Noah Taylor of Virginia transfer. Oh for yeah. Virginia-
1: oh my God. This position. It, it, there's uh, so many so many problems at this position.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so Chris Collins had stepped in after him, mm-hmm. and uh, he's transferring out for his you know his last COVID year. And so probably it'll be Malachi Hamrick is the one going there. And so it's just I, I, I've
1: it's, got I've got seven I've got 17 snaps for Hamrick over
2: the entire season. Like I, I yeah, know. exactly. So uh, that and he's that a true freshman, right? Is, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and is going he's going to be good but he's a true freshman. Yeah. Right. And, and so if, if I'm Oregon, I'm, I see a clear point of attack right there.
1: Yeah. I, it's hard to avoid that conclusion. And it really sucks. I it really sucks that both Taylor and Collins, cause like I thought those guys had some spark Um, yeah. like, you know, they're, they're grad students, I guess. So like that, you know, you weren't going to get a whole lot, you know, more out of them, but like, I really felt like, you know, it was like, they were playing, in my opinion, they were playing their best ball just before they got hurt. And it's like, yep. God, that sucks. Yep. Um. So yeah, no, I think it. I think it creates you know substantial problems. And the other thing is that, like I said, is that the, the Jack position, you know, it, he's not just an edge rusher; he also drops into coverage. And that was actually yes. something that I thought the Collins. Well, actually, he graded out really badly at that, but they were willing to use him at that. And I think it was it will be interesting to see if they trust Hamrick with that or not. Or as I sort of suspect, if they just sort of expand the more experienced ILBs role into um, into being that coverage guy and sort of cut down on the complexity of the because that's what you know, if you have an OLB who's really good at coverage, it lets you be more complex in your simulated pressures you know Uh and and you can do stunts and twists and other things where you drop out the olb and bring other guys and i sort of think with hamrick's inexperience they're not going to do that they're just going to say just attack dude and we'll have the back end do back end stuff and i think it sort of it makes the defense more simplified is that is my prediction what do you think about that prediction
2: yeah that i mean that's what you do it's you know, it's like bringing in a backup untested quarterback. Hey, go hand off the ball a bunch yeah. of times, right? It, it's a similar scenario there. You let Cedric Gray and Power Echols go do what they do.
1: All right, let's talk about those guys. Um, I, I, you know, Gray's the heart of the team, like I said. Um, and, uh, I mean, his grades are not the greatest grades. I don't think he's the greatest, sure. you know, linebacker I've ever seen, but like, you know, I, I can't fault the guy at all for effort. Like, he's the focal point of the team and he knows it. Um, on the other hand, I, I I'm not a big fan of Power Eccles. Um, I, I'm just like his, he grades it really badly for me. And I think he's really, in particular, he's easily taken advantage of in pass coverage. Um, and I think that's a substantial liability. And I think that Oregon's going to pick on it. Sorry to be so blunt. Um, no. Do you think I'm wrong about that?
2: No, no, for sure not. He he is very fast, mm-hmm. but um, there there are certainly some liabilities there, but they have been, it's like, um, Carolina has zero depth at linebacker. Oh yeah. And with
1: Dilworth transferring out, it's even worse. Exactly.
2: Because, because it's like, um, like Gray and Eccles are basically playing the entire game. Yeah. I mean, they are uh-huh. Ironmen, they're not coming out, but Dilworth will often come in like on third sure. down, things like that. Um, but with him, cause he's also great on special teams and, and some other things. Um, but with Dilworth gone, it's like, okay Eccles and Gray legitimately might play the whole game other than Deuce Caldwell who is another freshman but who has had some is that nice number 44 44 yeah. yeah um who's had a couple good mop-up moments here mm. and there and so if if and when Gray and Eccles um do have to take a breather like um it's probably going to be Caldwell that we see stepping in but beyond that it's like yeah.
1: True uh, freshman and a low three-star or a mid three-star. Exactly. There's another true freshman um, who's a four-star, Sebastian Cheeks, but I don't think I've seen him at all. Um, no, like, exactly. And, and I mean, oh. the guy with the highest tackle count um, is, uh, uh, I think, a walk-on, uh, Jake Harkle Road. although I think that's special teams. I don't think I ever saw him during scrimmage play. Yes. It's no, just, yeah, no, there's like no experience and not a ton kind of talent um, behind Gray and Echols. And, I, and like I said, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't wild about the iron men, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so that, that is potentially an issue now. And I think it's for both good like gray is the leading solo and total tackler in all of power five pre bowl games. Um, and yeah, just the whole
1: defense runs through that guy. And like, there's a bunch of plays where I'm watching where I sort of feel like, boy, this defense doesn't Like I'm watching multiple defenders who seem like they're confused by what the offense is doing, but but Gray's not, and he's making a beeline play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's got a pretty high football IQ, which like he needs to in the structure of this defense for what he's doing.
2: Yeah, so so they will continue to rely heavily on them, even though you know Eccles isn't isn't that. isn't to the gray isn't to gray's level he's got 98 tackles on the season will be you know should get into triple digits but again that's partly because of funneling all the running uh through them and relying on them to make those tackles and frankly because other guys aren't this team is not a good tackling team
1: yeah i'm gonna have a couple of clips of that in my article where it's just sort of like yeah. I mean, there's tackling problems and, and they and, and that they, goes they, for great too.
2: Let's not, let's yeah. not give him no, a pass. He, it's true. You're right. He has certainly missed his own tackles. So yeah.
1: All right. The defensive backs. Um, Let's talk about, no. All right. Uh, let's talk about absences just to, to make sure that I've got this straight. Um, sure, sure. Uh,
2: so first
0: uh, of all, how do we get storm duck to be an actual duck? <laughs>
2: exactly, like that's, that's been the question all along. He, he's abs- like my favorite name in all of college football. I love it. <laughs>
0: uh he's either got to be a hurricane or or yeah play for
2: us
1: he's the uh one of the starting corners who is transferring out um frankly i'm not sure he's a take for oregon um the the name aside Uh,
0: his last name is duck i don't know if you caught that
1: i am aware of this um (laughs) there's also a kid named mario eugenio that somehow mario cristobal didn't recruit to you
2: um (laughs) Uh, well, he, got everyone else, he got everyone else in Miami, so I don't see how he missed on that. <laughs> yeah, one. no joke.
1: And then the other starting cornerback, I believe is also transferring out Tony Grimes, um, Tony Grimes, who, as yeah. you say, like super talent, I think he's the number one, you know, on paper anyway, the most talented guy on the team. Yep. Um, I'm not sure I saw him play like it. Um, no,
2: you didn't, I- I'll, I'll tell you that.
1: And, and so the two guys who I believe that I've been seeing, you know, play in their absence at the end of the year. Because I think that 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 both of those guys, I think one of them was being held out with a minor injury, and the other guy was probably already in the portal. Um, I was seeing two uh, number six and number twenty nine, Lejean Cavazos. Oh, Smart, yeah, um, legend,
2: legend, Cavazos. Oh, legend!
1: Oh, great. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen. Uh, yeah, number twenty nine. Those are
2: the two guys we will see um, as the starting cornerbacks. Absolutely. I saw
1: enough of, um, Cavazos during backup time, um, for the rest of the season that I think I have a decent enough handle on him. Um, Allen, on the other hand, a true freshman, um, yep. borderline four star, um, only saw, I, I, I'm not, I've got six reps on him and <laughs> four of them are really good. One of them is so, so, and one of them, he gives up a giant play that basically Was ends. It that
2: bad, when, when he took yeah. that really bad angle. Yep you <laughs> Well, yeah, he, he's,
1: I, he's playing for he, the, he sort of got cursed by an, an earlier good play in that game where he yeah. gets this really sexy pass breakup and yeah, then he tries really to happened. do it again and he misses and the dude winds he, up running basically for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, cause like, that's like, he needs to understand that in the structure of that in in that coverage shell, he has to make that tackle. Making the exactly. tackle is more important than making. He the can't top.
2: take that risk. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, cause he's yeah.
1: the only one who can stop that going for a touchdown. And that's yeah. what happened. And like same- true, for. You know, like, guess what? True freshmen do stuff like that. It's why you try not to play true freshmen at like, you can't screw up positions. Um, So like, I don't know, man, but that's everything that I've just said about Marcus Allen is everything that I know and think about Marcus Allen. Do you have anything to add to it? Like that? I don't know from watching those six plays.
2: Those six plays are the nutshell of him is like, I I honestly. probably my take on this is I think it's an upgrade in terms of like, he's at least playing, you know, yeah. like Tony Grimes is clearly the more talented, the one that, yeah. that the NFL wants. Um, and, and same with storm duck, he's, he's getting a little bit of some notice. I, I don't understand why with either of them, frankly, but um, with, with Marcus Allen, um, I honestly feel more comfortable both now and, and long-term with what he's done in that limited action. But I think the thing is, is with the true freshman, as you've just said, for every three or four of those plays where it's like, okay, yeah, that's solid, you're going to get a bad angle. You're yeah. going to get um, him not playing within the structure of what's needed um, to, for containment and, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And so I think you just kind of got to live with that, unfortunately. And so, yeah, bo- both cornerback position, this is going to be a-, a game of of uh, just attacking cornerbacks. Yeah, I know, man. It's going to be oh.
1: bomb after bomb. I, I'm yeah. telling you, it's going to be like the last year's Rose Bowl between Ohio State and Utah, where it's just <laughs> yes. like yes. haymaker after haymaker. Yes, exactly. So, um, in terms um, of the cornerback room depth, there's one that's interesting. So uh, on DeAndre Hollins, number 15. Yep. Um, it. I think he hey, got hey. into the portal and then got back out of the portal. That's
2: correct. Yeah, you're spot on. <laughs> and,
1: and I don't know, like... Uh, he's a low three star and a senior who hasn't really played much before. I'm not sure that I would be expecting much out of him, except I think he's going to have to play given what the depth situation is like. Because exactly, I don't think exactly. they have any other cornerbacks in the room. I think no, it's Cavazos, so, Allen, and Hollins, and I th- and and like other guys who might have been cornerbacks like Balfour and Nash also transferred out. So like I don't know who plays if it's not Hollins.
2: And and that's the that's the big like, wow. like it's just you do what you got to do for this bowl game and then you move on and. Thankfully, it's just a a glorified Pro Bowl kind of situation. Yeah, Yeah. I think of it as like
1: as the the first half of the spring game, like it's like it's better better to think about bowl games, not as the last game of this season, but as the first game of next season.
2: Yes, because it's it's all about the practice time you get in the exactly. lead up for next. Season. Like that is the win in bowl games yeah. in this era, and, and this some season.
1: guys leave the team. Like it's it maybe sucks for the competitive level of the the bowl game that you're watching, but, but it can helpful. be a good. Yeah. It can be sort of like yeah. a gift for your next season in terms of like, well, let's see what the kids can do. Let's see yeah. you know in live game reps what Hollins can do and what Cavazos yeah. and Allen and some of these other yeah. guys can do because. You know?
2: Boykin Boykins will be the starter at star and so it's like man you let him do that and then allow Hollins to kind of be a utility player and bring him in when and where needed um, and and just hopefully rely on that so um, the the, the depth similar to what we said about linebackers the depth here at at cornerback and star is Sorely lacking,
1: so I was seeing uh, uh like i said it's a typical nickel structure um you're right about Boykins usually playing the star um I was seeing at, at the other two uh safety spots I was seeing a a, a well f- uh, a four person rotation, but they're losing one of them. Uh, Cameron right. Kelly. Cam yep. Um, he's, he is, uh, leaving, but they're bringing back the guys who I saw the most, um, uh, big, uh, Giovanni Biggers, uh, number yep. 27, yep. um, Will, Will Hardy, number 31. And then, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about is that it seemed like Chapman was playing more and more towards the end of the yes. year. Was that, was that injury driven yes. or yep. what was yep, going on was. there?
2: Yeah, totally injury driven. He's been working back. And um, so because he's more, a senior,
1: more... but Will Hardy, the fresh, the true freshman the true was getting freshman the majority at the, of the reps
2: at the, at the field safety position. That's right. Yeah. And so um, and that's what I expect to see is with Cam Kelly leaving. Um, so, yeah. So literally you're losing three of your five starters in the backfield. Yeah,
1: I know, man, it's bad. And uh, it's bad. and it, on the other hand, it's not like the secondary was covering itself in glory, you know?
2: Exactly, exactly. And so it's like, hey, let's get to, to what you just said. Let's get these reps for the true freshmen in Marcus Allen and Will Hardy and, and let them go out there and make the plays. We'll, we will certainly see Chapman, but I expect Biggers and Hardy to be the starting safeties yeah, that- for sure in this game.
1: Yeah, well, that that was going to be my question: is Do you think that Chapman's healthy enough to have supplanted Hardy? And it sounds like your answer is probably no. That we're just going to see a rotation of those guys.
2: Yeah, and and I think that is more for kind of what we said just a minute ago about the longevity, the long term view of like, dude, if if Hardy's going to be the guy, get him these reps now, um, because what's the worst that's going to happen? Sure. You're going to lose the bowl game. Okay, great. So,
1: but, I mean, I guess, for the purposes of the bowl game, um you know i you know between. Duck Grimes, Kelly, Balfour and Nash, you know, all transferring out, you know, yeah. for the five spot and they're playing a nickel on every snap, which l- right. let me circle back to that in a second. But like they're playing a nickel on every snap and I only think they have seven playable DBs. Um a- and one of those is Holland's who we basically never seen and the other one is Chapman who's like, you know, we-, we just talked about as being like rotational, questionably injured, you know, kind of, you know, it's like there's uh, you know, that's another like this might be an iron man type of situation, you know, and it might be, the defenses might be on the field for a long time you know in the game like yes, this you know exactly
2: and further making the the over like uh listen if if you're a betting person you don't even blink you take the over in this game oh yeah hard. so <laughs> uh i think it's 73 and i'm worried about them hitting that in the first half honestly so
1: well um, and this is the other thing that i know the last thing that i wanted to say is just goes back to structure and because we were talking about you know the nickel defense is that i really think that like north well the notre dame game i, I think that teams figured out something with, when they watched the notre dame film because what notre right dame on. figured out and i can tell you it took them a while to figure this out because i also had to do the notre dame versus cal uh film study because Oregon plays Cal um is that like Notre Dame's offense really stunk but one thing that they figured out that they could do is line up in 12 or 13 personnel and pound the rock yeah. and they really did that against Cal and then towards the end of the NC game they really did that against Carolina yeah. um yeah. and but the thing was that I noticed that was really curious and I wanted to ask you about is that it really felt like North Carolina is very reluctant to personnel match you know when yeah. the opponent brings in tw- like uh, you know heavy 12 or 13 personnel that they stick with their, th- their nickel you know structure right. and you know unless it's like super like goal line situation you know right. I- right. I- if it's third and four and the opponent is lining up in 12 personnel they're still in a nickel and they get run all over and well, first of all i wanted to know if you you know sort of noticed the same thing and second of all do you, yes. what do you think that's what that's about because i th- i think it's real vulnerability and i think it's a mistake that chizik
2: is making what do you what do you think Oh, it absolutely is a mistake that Chiswick's making. It's it's one of those where, um, like, I'll stick with what a lot of North Carolina people know is is the basketball team. Roy Williams was like, always would refuse to switch. Like, it's like, no, we're playing this defense, even if we're giving up, you know, help helping inside and giving up three after three after three. Um, it, it's kind of a similar thing here in this scenario where Gene Chiswick's like, nope, this is our scheme, e- even though it's like even though it might hurt us on this first down play or excuse me on this third and short, whatever it is uh, like, we're still going to um, unswervingly hold to it. (laughs) And I've, I've not understood it all season. It's like, I get that's your baseline package, but, but why not in the modern football game have enough packages where it's like, all right, this grouping go right now. Like that's not, it's not like, a thing that you can't do and so that unwillingness um to change alignment for the sake of getting off the field on third down to this specific scenario i mean
1: it's crazy like they're they're, they're second and short rush defense against is they are uh 10 successful 90 percent of opponent runs on second and short convert the first down um That's- uh, 75% on second and medium, uh, 62% on third and short. It's like if you get in short yard situations against Carolina, you line up in a run situation, they'll give you the nickel look, you'll run and convert the first down. You're, you're, you know, that's it. That's why North Carolina's defense is rated so poorly is because you, you get free first down conversions against this team. Um,
2: exactly. And that, is is a feather in the cap of whomever they're playing because if you can keep controlling the ground game and keep Drake mm-hmm. May on the sideline, you win a football game.
1: I mean, that's where I think. Just I don't love giving predictions for these sorts of things, but sort of you know one thing that I sort of expect to see, given that like okay, both of these teams, their offense is better than their defense. um I think that you know Oregon's defense grades out in the 60s. You know, Carolina's grades out in like 116, um, and. And the other thing is that I think that, like, Oregon is a little more multidimensional in terms of offense, in terms of, like, they like to run the ball, and whereas, you know, Carolina doesn't. I think that's the reason why the spread is looking the way that it does. Like – You know, uh, you know, between that and, you know, North Carolina is being hit a little harder by by opt outs and injuries. But like, I just sort of think, you know, the the reason why I started out talking and what I'm sort of circling back to is that Carolina really strikes me as a very one dimensional team. It's it's Drake May hitting passes and it's sort of like that's it. That's the end of the football team. And and like. And so that can be that can make for a very thrilling bowl game, because I think that they're gonna be doing that until the the last whistle, <laughs> yeah. man. Um, and with Oregon's cornerback situation, he's probably gonna hit a bunch of those. Like, you know, but that if Oregon gets a lead, this game might become uninteresting because yeah. it might turn into the type of game where Oregon just runs a million times and goes on like a 12 minute drive to kill a quarter. You know what I mean? Yeah, I saw oh, the absolutely. Beavers do
0: that to us at the end
2: of that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that that to me is the recipe. If I was a team playing North Carolina this year and I have any sort of a run game, I'm leaning on that as heavily as I can because regardless of what my defense can do or not do, if I can keep Drake May on the sideline, yeah. that's what I'm going to.
1: Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's exactly where I was going with this. Is The only way that you're beating North Carolina is make Drake May sit down.
0: Well, we got the Holiday Bowl coming up, a.k.a. the bo Nicks, Drake May Show. There
2: you um, go. The Heisman <laughs> Snub Bowl. Yeah. And that's what everyone's tuning in for, right? Like, I I frankly don't expect this to be a great game. I expect Oregon to win this game. But I, I think people get so excited about it, even though it's one of the biggest spreads of any bowl game this bowl <laughs> season, uh, people are excited about it because it's two of the front runners for next year's Heisman Hype.
0: Well, like I said at the top of the show, we'd love to invite UNC over to our dying conference. You know, if you'd like, I I would love an all coast uh, conference here, especially because it would give us more of an opportunity to talk to Isaac Shade of Locked On Heels and Locked On. uh, Is is this Locked On CBB? Locked On College Basketball? It's a big old podcast, I imagine. Yes,
2: sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) It is. It is. And so that's. Yeah, I, I host both. I co-host the Locked On College Basketball one, and yeah, so it's a lot of fun to get to do that every day.
0: I bet, I bet it is pretty fun to talk about UNC basketball.
2: <laughs> yes, it is, and we just won't bring up that Final Four game from a couple years ago. Oh, um, we'll right on past that, Bell. I, why
0: aren't you blocking out? Come on,
2: my man. <laughs> those offensive free throw rebounds were were crazy. But let let me back that up by praising Oregon because one of my favorite ever ever college football moments is that game against Jameis Winston when he just fell backwards and the ball came out of his hand Mm. and then we got all those memes and gifs and it was beautiful so thank you to the Ducks for that special moment in college football history
0: Isaac Shade knows his audience when he's on a podcast I love it so much that I mean that's a a top moment for for any duck fan or Jameis Winston hater I imagine
2: (laughs) (laughs) give me the crabs Yeah, (laughs) what he got in trouble for standing up in the cafeteria? Oh my god! He he got in trouble for a lot scandals, dude. I had I studied that entire I studied
1: two years of Florida State tape for that. Please don't. uh, (laughs) Yeah, you know, on the field, man. There's enough off-field stuff for James Winston to fill up a couple of podcasts.
0: and then uh, Day, as always pleasure to have you on resident film reviewer and managing editor at Addicted to Quack you can find him on Twitter at Hithliday1 H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y number one and then also remember please follow our guest as well over on Twitter at Isaac Shade I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E that is right uh, it was wonderful talking to both of you And I hope you have a good holiday season uh, and a holiday bowl, too.
2: Thanks, Adam, so much for having us. Take care, guys. Absolutely.
0: Go Ducks. Go Tar Heels. Quack, quack. Uh, Tar Heels. Sound. Okay. See you all (laughs) next week.